Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm excited for too many games. That's only just a few days away, so I hope to see as many of you as can make it. And, of course, I'm doing the panel on Saturday, so please check it out if you're in the area. I'd love to meet everybody, but let's jump right into the news. First up, the latest version of the Mega SG jailbreak has miraculously appeared from space. That includes all of the same updates that Kevtris put in the official firmware, as well as things related to the different cores and the CD BIOS mapping. That way you could launch different BIOSes for different region CDs and stuff like that. Um, Also, Firebrand X has updated his settings on what he recommends, and I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into that because I've been using those settings for all of my recordings, um, and I just would like to tweak them a little bit back and forth to see the differences and maybe work with Firebrand X to do a video on this. I'm not second-guessing any of the things that he, uh, any of his settings. I just think it'd be pretty neat to come up with modes that we could label um, and maybe possibly ask Kevin really, really nicely to introduce them as you know, just modes that you could select from a drop-down menu. Or maybe even things where you could put in a file onto the SD card and select that as whatever mode you want to use, rather than having to go in and manually tweak these things every single time there's an update. So who knows, hopefully uh, we'd be able to move forward on something like this, but either way, expect some other weird nerdy video from me digging into settings and probably bothering Firebrand X with it as well. The OSSC also had a firmware update this week with a new way of tweaking and adding scan lines as well as overlay patterns and some more advanced timing options, among other things. So that's yet another thing I haven't had time to dig into yet, but these updates look pretty cool and look like they might open up different ways of tweaking. Um, Some people on the forums said that they ran into issues with this one, so I guess I would just go ahead and update it, and if you run into any kind of problems, just go to the Shmups forum and see which ones people are using. Um, There haven't been too many reports of problems, so I'd feel comfortable doing it, unless you're in a scenario where everything's perfect and you don't want to touch anything. Just ran into that today with computers auto-updating, so if you have a perfect setup and you don't need any of these features, I guess, you know, totally cool to just leave it be. Uh, But these look pretty neat, and these look like things that we could dive into and get some extra tweaks out of it, as well as possibly some cooler-looking scan lines. A prototype of the game Kirby's Dream Course was found back in its original form, a game called Special Tee Shot, a golf game for the Super Nintendo. So I guess this game was shelved before its release and eventually made it uh, was remade into Kirby's Dream Course, but it did make an a, a appearance in its original form on the Satellaview. So kind of an interesting history, and you're able to find that and play it now. Uh, and there's a full story over on SNES Central about it. So if you're interested in unreleased stuff and you want to read about the history, definitely check that out. I certainly enjoyed it. I just didn't want to copy too much of the history into this because uh, I want to support SNES Central, not steal from them. So if you're interested, please check this out. 
I'll make this next section as quick as I can because it's not directly related to retro gaming, but I sat down with the CEO of Library, which is a blockchain-based platform that's really a protocol for sharing content, and it's decentralized, which means you don't have one big evil company forcing you to play by their rules. And while at the moment that hasn't quite affected the things that I do, it's starting to, uh, and it certainly has from a support platform, because unless you have 100,000 subscribers, YouTube could care less about you. Even if you pay, uh, you can't pay for support, and even if you pay to promote your videos, they, they won't help at all. So uh, I was really interested when I met Jeremy about uh, what library could do. And while it's still kind of in its beginning stages, it's growing really quickly. And I've really liked where it could go in the future. So if you're interested in any of this stuff, even a little bit, please give this interview a listen. It's less than an hour and it's on every platform, uh, including library. So wherever is the easiest for you to get this content. Um, and just for the record, when it comes to the interviews, uh, I, I just want everybody to get it as easily as they can. While I would always love to see you know view counts high on videos, if it's always easier for people to uh, just listen as a podcast, go right ahead. Um, I just uh, you know I just want to put all of my content out as easy as possible for people to get to, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on with library as well because I think that might be a cool step towards uh, what we all as content creators might be looking forward or looking forward to in the future. But um, give it a chance if you don't mind, and uh, that's it for the non-retro gaming stuff for this, for this podcast. Here's kind of a neat one. Chris Covell was able to patch the TurboGrafx-16 version of R-Type to work on a Super Graphics so that you could take advantage of all of the hardware upgrades that the Super Graphics offers. It's currently not a finished product. I believe it's only up to stage four, but I didn't even think that could be done. And you know, Chris, um, I interviewed him a long time ago and really should revisit that because Chris has contributed so much to the retro gaming community over the years. He was one of the old school people from the 90s that I, I remember, uh, as well as Kevtris and Marat Faisalin and a bunch of other people. So it's kind of neat to, to see his work still continue to uh, do the, you know, to progress like this but for anybody interested please check out smoke monsters post it goes into detail on how he did it um, and you might even be able to learn from it and do more yourself if you're into this stuff uh, and you can test it out on the mr platform you just need to make sure to rename it dot sgx otherwise the mr will still think it's a turbo graphic 16 rom but a pretty cool accomplishment and something that i'd like to see more of just for the heck of it I recently read an article about a warehouse that burned down that had in it a whole bunch of master recordings from very famous artists and bands over the years, and those are now lost forever. Whatever forms they're out in now are the last forms we'll ever get, with no more remasters or anything like that once newer and better technology is released. So it really started to make me think of how much that's already starting to happen in the gaming world. And we do have a bunch of very awesome projects out there, like uh, Artemio and Mijet. I think that's how you say it. Um, they're already trying to work on an X68000 disk image preservation project. Of course, there's Frank Cifaldi's Video Game History Foundation. Uh, the work that we're doing on archiving info about all the hardware that we've worked on, that's coming along pretty nicely. And of course, the Doomsday Duplicator project. And that's the one that, that I keep going back to, and I really hope to spread a lot more info about and try to make it as popular as I can, because the thought behind that is something that I think, with enough really smart people working on it, can be applied to almost any analog physical media. 
So their basic ethos is scan the analog media in a way where you get a one-to-one photocopy, if you will, of the original. And then part two of that is to write software that scans that and compares it to other uh, copies of that original recording. Meaning that for things like the audio masters, if that were possible, you'd be able to uh, recreate it on other analog tape in a digital form, whatever else. Um, or for things like video games or laser discs like they're doing, um, you could actually take a couple of different discs and scan them. And theoretically, all of the discs could not work, but if they're all the same recording, they're all the same thing, you could scan them all and then use that software. And as long as the damage isn't physically in the same spot on each one, you could now have a one-to-one original copy that works. So I just, uh, I guess this is just a, a, a plea for all the smart people out there that might be able to work on this project. Please check out the Domesday Duplicator project and the LD Decode. Um, I did the interview with the, the two main people behind it, but it's starting to branch out to a few more at least. And see if, at least at all in its current form, it's something we might be able to apply to any other physical media. Because even if it's just you stick in your three and a half inch floppies or five and a quarter floppies, get them, get them scanned, get them archived somewhere. Anything like that would be great. So we could start building an original archive of all of these things. Cause you know, I made the quote at the beginning of this uh, piece that I wrote, you know, remember that Cinderella song, you don't know what you got till it's gone. It's such a cheesy line, but it's so true, especially with all of this stuff. And it, very often you hear people say after it's gone, like, well, you know, didn't anybody back it up? No. So I think that's up to us. So I'm going to quit my rambling now. Please give this a read if you're interested at all. But more importantly than anything, check out the Doomsday Duplicator and LD Decode projects and see if there's anything that you might be able to contribute to. Because I'd love to see that on VHS tapes, on discs. And then, meaning three and a half and five and a half inch floppy, and then wherever else that could be applied to. So, who knows? Maybe we'd be able to pull off some more forks of this project and get a lot more archived so it's not lost forever. Retrobit just announced that their wireless Saturn controller will be delayed again. Uh, At E3 on their booth, they had an ETA of September of 2019, so I think this is like the third time they've delayed it. And to be honest, if the reason it's being delayed is they're trying to make a really good quality product, then I am 100% cool with this. Um, Some of their officially licensed stuff, people had taken apart and found older circuit boards in it, which means they were probably just regurgitating the same crap that's been floating around, but calling it, you know, officially licensed by Sega. So, you know, Retrobit, I don't know anybody over there, but if you're taking your time because you want to make a 2.4 gigahertz, non-Bluetooth, low-lag wireless controller that works well, by all means, take your time. Uh, But if you're just going to be sending us the same stuff we've already had, just release it, because it's probably not going to be that good anyway. But fingers crossed, because I would really love a cool, clear blue plastic wireless Sega Saturn controller that doesn't have much lag. Crix just announced that he'll be releasing an updated version of his EverDrive N8 sometime next year to be called the EverDrive N8 Pro. 
Um, I believe the reason he's going for a newer one is because of end-of-life parts, and if you have to redo something, you might as well add new features, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's making it a little bit more powerful, so games like Legend of Link will run. Love that game, by the way. I have a, a physical copy, thanks to Lloyd and Leon. Um, and I think there's going to be a couple other extras on there, uh, just to make things go a little bit faster and a little bit more powerful. So um, I'm excited. As always, I'm going to buy all of Crix's stuff and try it out because I'm a big fan. But um, it doesn't seem to be a release date of anytime soon. I believe it's late 2019 or mid-2020. So I would lean towards the latter just because it always takes a lot longer to manufacture things than, than people realize. So I would say next year. Um, and of course, for all the people out there that get upset every time there's something new, please remember that your current N8, my current N8, will continue to work equally as well as it has this entire time. So uh, I'm still excited for the new one though, and I'm definitely going to pick it up just for the heck of it whenever it is released. It looks like there's going to be mini versions of the PC Engine, Core Graphics, and Turbo Graphics. Uh, which is funny because the PC Engine and Core Graphics are, are already pretty mini. But Smoke Monster did a great write-up on it um, with his opinions of it. And basically his thoughts are because the library hasn't been as widely celebrated as like Super Nintendo or Genesis, it's great to have these things available for people who just want to experience the games in a plug-and-play method in hopefully a decent enough quality, like the SNES Mini and NES Mini. Um, and, and, you know, I think those two are the great example of casual gaming. Hey, I used to play that as a kid. Let me try it now. You know, as long as you remember to put your TV in game mode, it's fine. I would not call that a bad experience. And that's kind of cool. Maybe people want to revisit it, play around with it, and then have a very neat little thing to have on your shelf, which I know how weird this sounds, but I, I, you know, if I had enough room to display these and I had enough cash to throw away, I'd buy all of these mini consoles and just have a wall of mini consoles somewhere. I just think it's really neat. But um, anyway, I, I just, I hope they do a good job on the emulation because it's always about the experience. If you could sit down and play a game and the experience is close to the original and not ruined by, you know, a, a terrible thrown together emulation box like the PS Classic, um, then it's always a good thing. So we'll see. But I kind of, you know, I think a year ago we were joking around about the CDI Mini. And after all of these mini consoles are now being released, I think we kind of need one. So if anybody out there works for Philips, tell them to do it just for the hell of it. <laughs> There's a developer currently working on a port of Mega Man X for the Sega Genesis, which I think is really killer, being able to see such an iconic Super Nintendo game with Genesis graphics and, of course, the Genesis audio chips, which would be the biggest difference, at least in my opinion, I think. Um, so it looks pretty neat. It's, it is one developer working on it, so you know I wouldn't expect it to be done quickly, um, but it's looking awesome as is. So projects like this are always exciting, uh, and if you're interested, definitely check it out because it sounds cool too. My Life in Gaming just posted a detailed video on how to backup, transfer, and restore your save files from original cartridges. And it was really cool to see the different types of cartridges, different types of save game files, all slapped together in one video for people to be able to understand. So if uh, if backing up your save game files or pulling them from like the Wii's virtual console and putting them on a ROM cart or even an original cart is something that's important to you, definitely check it out. Um, and also I'd like to welcome My Life in Gaming. This is their first official post on Retro RGB. Um, and I have invited and asked them to post all of their stuff like this, uh, all of this type of video on here, and really anything that they want to. So uh, 
hopefully we'll see more from My Life in Gaming posted directly here. Terra Onion has just announced and released the Mega SD, which is one cartridge that plays Master System, Genesis, 32X, and Sega CD games, all from the cartridge. So that's an optical drive emulator without the need for original Sega CD hardware. And that's playable on any Genesis console, including Kevtris' Mega SG. So this is a pretty big deal, as I'm sure you could imagine. Um, I have a very, very detailed video. It's a 25-minute long video being released tomorrow, uh, Thursday, or depending on you know when you listen to this, maybe it's already out. But um, I love this thing. I really did order two. Um, I borrowed one of them in order to do the video, so thank you to Todd and Tara Onion for that. Uh, but... I really legit bought two of them the moment they went up for pre-order on Monday. Uh, one's for me, one's for Scott. This thing is uh, is now my favorite way to play Sega CD games, uh, and it just it's so cool to be able to not worry about finicky hardware and just play the games. Um, you know, I, of course, I'm never going to sell my Sega CD, and certainly not going to sell off any of my game collection. It's just a matter of now, what do we want to do? Do we want to experience the original hardware, mess around with a finicky tray, you know, deal with a bad RAM slot because uh, your battery died or something? Like, do we want to go through that and kind of have a fun thing on a, you know, on an older CRT, or do you really just want to play some games and worry about that at a different time? And now we have the choice to do so. Uh, so it's a very impressive feat. Um, please check out my video. I worked my butt off on it. <laughs> so hopefully you all like it very much. Um, and yeah, I guess I'll leave all the other details for the video because I'm just uh, very excited to use it and hope you're excited for the video. The PC game Foxyland is now getting a port to the Sega Genesis. And, you know, as you could imagine, I absolutely love getting newer games on older consoles like this. But this looks like a really great game. Uh, I'd never heard of it before, but it's a side-scrolling adventure-style game. And it looks good. It looks smooth. Um, it looks like the gameplay is pretty cool. Certainly not clunky or anything. So I'm definitely looking forward to trying it out. And now that I know it's going to be available on the Genesis, I'll wait and play it there. And anybody that wants any more details, Ray did a great job on the write-up, uh, pretty much giving you everything you'd need to know, including a handy little video that shows a demo of it. Classic Gaming Quarterly just released a new documentary video about new Sega Genesis releases from 1990. And afterwards, Smoke Monster was able to go and do a live stream with the full interview with him. So I haven't had time to check out the video yet, so I don't know too much about it. Um, usually with longer documentary-style videos, uh, I sit down on the couch and, and give them the attention they deserve, just like a Digital Foundry or a My Life in Gaming video. So I didn't want to just skim it and, uh, and give a synopsis. I'd rather be honest and say, it looks like a cool video. I'll probably watch it this weekend. And I'm definitely going to follow up with the Smoke Monster interview afterwards so I could hear what Classic Gaming Quarterly had to say about it themselves after the video was released. Someone recently posted a guide on how to mod their Mist. Now remember, that's not the Mister. That was the precursor to the Mister. Uh, but how to mod their Mist with Wi-Fi support so that they could use their Amiga core online so that they're able to check the Amiga BBS as if you would on an original console. So it's just very neat to see all of the all of the support to get these older computers, or even the cores of the older computers, running to mimic their exact use back in the day. Very neat thing, uh, and something that I'd like to see demoed myself one day. While I haven't really used the Amiga, um, I think I saw it demoed once, 
there's just the classic experiences of some of these things are, are worth revisiting, uh, worth revisiting for people that grew up with them and worth experiencing at least once for just nerds who want to see what it was like. So thanks to Vanessa for writing up the article. Well, that's it for this week. Once again, I'm really excited for doing that panel at Too Many Games, and I hope a bunch of you could make it. Um, I've never done one at Too Many Games before. I've done a bunch of panels before. So hopefully this one will be a lot of fun. But anyway, as always, thanks so much for everybody who supports this channel, as well as people that just listen, watch, and are cool in the comments. So thanks again, and I'll see you next week.